Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Exploring Middle Earth podcast. Hello. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Uh, my name is Grant. I am the Tolkien expert here, and with me is Jasef, or Jay, as you will, yeah. um, the up-and-coming Tolkien expert, I <laughs> yeah. think. Something like that. Uh, yeah, so uh, uh, right now we've got episode 52. Mm-hmm. We've made it over the little hump of yep. 50. And um, 51. And 51 as well. That was the peak of 50. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so today we're going to be talking all about the beginning of the universe of Middle Earth. Not, yeah. not our universe. Yeah. Um, and that is all found in the book The Silmarillion, which is my favorite book. Uh, of which, all time. Yes, of oh, all time. Nice. Uh, which I'm also reading right now. I'm almost done with it. I'm in the last parts of it. But um, yeah, so... Uh, it's in the very first chapter of that book called the Ainulindale, which means the, I don't even, I could probably guess what that means. The beginning. I don't know. No, I, I think it means the music of the Ainur. That would make sense. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because uh, Lindale means music because you got, if you think about like the uh like linden in the first age linden mm-hmm. means the land of singers in that first part lind l-i-n-d is the same part in lindale so oh, that's music and then the ainu part is the ainur which are the angelic beings so it's the music of the ainur mm-hmm. so there you go i just uh gave you guys a little lesson in in wordology yeah oh yeah so uh t- yeah we're going to talk all about basically the creation of the universe the beginning of time uh for arda or middle earth and uh, Jay is going to take it away. Hello, everyone. Um, I'm going to first start with the creator of all of Middle Earth, or even more than Middle Earth. Because if you don't know, Middle Earth isn't the only region on the Earth, which is called yeah. Arda. Yes. Um, so the name of the creator is Eru Iluvatar. Um, and <clears throat> Eru is a supreme deity of Arda, and he's the creator um, above the Valar. Um, but what he, uh, he created the Valar, but he delegated almost all his, uh, direct action within Aya, which is the whole universe. Yeah. Um, to Aya, the, Aya means to be. Yeah. Or Aya or, or not, not to, to Aya. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, he delegated almost all of it to the Ainur, yep. um, including the shaping of the world. Yeah. Um, so... Uh, we'll go into this more, but the way they made the world is through song, which mm-hmm. is kind of cool, just singing along. Very unique. Yeah. So um, like I'm as, going like as far as like creation myths go, usually you hear like, like in like I don't even know what kind of mythology there is, but I've heard that Tolkien's like mythology basically is very unique because you'll hear like kind of like the gods formed the world out of like clay or something like that, or you know that sort of thing, or yeah. Or kind of like the Big Bang Theory is its yeah. own thing. And then, yeah, music is the one that made this world. It's kind of cool. Well, what's uh, something interesting about it, if you think about Tolkien's religion with uh, Catholicism, but just like Christianity in general. Yeah. Um, th- it's a big thing about the um, nature sings in worship. Yeah. I wonder if that influenced it at all with yeah, probably, the I, music created the universe. That's definitely a good... Uh, we, I don't could even probably, know what we could probably go into that. What's that word? I don't know. Theory? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, thanks. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. Yeah. Okay, well, this is um, the f- 
this is just the first few sentences of sentences of the Ilindale. Anulindale. Anulindale. I always thought it was pronounced Anulindale. Anulindale. So yeah, that was the first time I heard it pronounced correctly when Grant said it a little bit ago. I don't I don't know if that's 100% correct, but I I'm pretty Lindale. It's pretty close, I would say. I knew yeah. Lindale. Well, Grant knows better than me, so I'm going to go based off what Grant said. But so this is the first few chap or not chapters. I'm not going to read the book. First few sentences of the Silmarillion. <laughs> the first few chapters. <laughs> yeah, uh I'm yeah. I'm going to read through. The heading is the music of the Ainur. Um and Grant will tell you more about the Ainur. Or am I telling you about that? I'm telling you about that. Yeah. But we're going to have an episode next week that goes more into depth about who these people are. But for right now, we're going to focus on Eru in the creation. Yeah. Um. So there was Eru, the one who in Arda is called Iluvatar. And he made the first Ainur, the holy ones, that were the offspring of his thought. And they were with him before all, before aught was else made. Um, And he spoke to them, propounding on... Or propounding to them themes of music, and they sang before him, and he was glad. Um, so, th- like I said, the creation was made through music, and it was just them singing. <clears throat> and uh, so Eru created them, and then they um, started singing, which eventually or was at the time just for like Eru's enjoyment and for their enjoyment. They yeah. just sang for the sake of singing, I guess. Yeah like i guess worshiping eru but eventually it leads to the creation of arda but right now they're just singing to sing um so yeah he first created um the angelic beings um and uh he was also known as well there was eru luvatar which is is just the all-powerful yeah um and he alone could create independent life um or reality using the flame and perishable, which Grant will talk about. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is pretty interesting. But it is important to note he's the only one who could create independent life. That's a big theme throughout all Lord of the Rings is that evil can't create on its own. Mm-hmm. It has to, like how uh, Sauron and Melkor never created the orcs or their the goblins or any of the evil creatures. Yeah, they, the dragons. Yeah, Balrogs. they had to corrupt them. Yeah, and the dwarves weren't. The dwarves were created, but they didn't have souls until... Oh, sorry, my bad. Yeah, was, they didn't have souls until Eru gave them souls. Yeah. But yeah, so he was the sole creator of independent life. Mm-hmm. And uh, he created the bounds of Ea, which is the world and all that it is. So it's just the universe. Yeah. So I'm going to pass it off to Grant to talk more about the flame imperishable. Yes, so the flame imperishable, also called imperishable flame, oh, or yeah. the secret fire. Oh wow! Um, yeah, so this was Eru's power of creation, essentially. Um, it it was kind of like the essence of like souls and creation, and kind of what gives things free will and conscience. So, mm-hmm. um, and it and it doesn't seem to be a thing apart from Eru and yet it does seem to be a thing apart from Eru. It's kind of like a paradox in that sense. Like it's, it's never without him, but it's also not with him at the same. I don't know. It's kind of hard to explain. And, and it's probably not even like, it's not really even explained super well in the book. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure there's probably maybe some letters that Tolkien has like going more in depth of it. I've meant, I'll mention one um letter down here i don't know the actual number of the letter but he talks about it for a sec yeah anyway so um but it was kind of a thing that existed outside of eru but it it, and it was like not really his creation though but it was still him could you 
it could be co- kind of like compared to like the Holy Spirit, how it's three uh, yeah. in one. So like, yeah. th- and then that's what the, I was getting to. Oh, okay, sorry, yeah. man. No, no, I'm, that's my fine. Bad, my bad. That's, I take that hey, back. Hey, no, that's that's fine. <laughs> that was a natural segue into it, though. Oh, nice. Um. So yeah, uh, it it is basically this is the letter I was going to mention. Oh, okay. Um, in a conversation between Tolkien and Clyde S. Kilby, I don't really know who that is. They should bring back the name Clyde. That's a cool name. Yeah. Uh, or Kilby. Kilby as a last name. I mean, it's probably still a last name. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, let's bring it back in yeah. America. It's not an American last name. Yeah. Uh, Tolkien mentioned that the secret fire was holy and was sent to burn at the center of the world. He said it was another name for the Holy Spirit, oh. much like Eru was another name for God. Not necessarily interchangeable with God and the Holy Spirit, but it is basically based on them. Yeah. And so one of my questions is, and just to kind of ask you and just to kind of theorize. Okay. If Tolkien already had counterparts for God and the Holy Spirit and there's the whole Trinity because he's Catholic, so that would be a big part in his mm-hmm. world, is who do you think is the Jesus character? Because there's a very obvious one. Would Manway be well, the... But, well, I'm thinking but the here, most... here's here's kind of some criteria, though, because there's okay. a very obvious one that I think most people would want to say, but... The thing, like, if if you're a Christian and you believe, like, you know, the Trinity, God, you know, Father, Son, and Holy mm-hmm. Spirit, you know, like, that all three of them are the same, yeah, but also separate, mm-hmm. you know? So, Jesus is the Son of God, but he also is God. So, it's like, so who in kind of, like, Middle Earth is kind of like that, you know what I mean? Would it be... I feel like Gandalf would be the one that people would. Yeah, that's the pick. that's the obvious answer because he died, came back to life. Yeah, and he's also a Maiar, so he's like an angel. But it's like, is he the same as Eru? Yeah, I guess they never. You know? sp- it's never stated that he's this like this similar to how Jesus and God's relationship, how they're the same, but yeah, two separate things, and how yeah, Gandalf. I don't know. I've never thought about it that much. Um. <laughs> It's interesting to think about. Is though. Finn sitting on any buttons or anything? Oh, she, these are just knobs. Oh, okay, <laughs> Finn, <laughs> Finn, why don't we get that off your butt? There you yeah, go. What the heck? She apparently <laughs> found that comfortable. Yeah. Um, I think. Well, this is just a theory. It's it's kind of a weak theory, but I think, um, a lot of people struggle to find out who Tom Bombadil is. Oh yeah, I never thought about it. that. Makes and because Jesus is supposed to be God as man on mm-hmm. earth. And so Tom Bombadil could be, because a lot of people are like, oh, maybe he's Eru. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, that's kind of a wild theory. But maybe he, Tom Bombadil is Eru as man on Earth. But then it also wouldn't explain, it wouldn't fulfill the Jesus purpose. That's yeah. like, the self, like the savior kind of complex. Yeah, I but, guess if you look at it from so, strictly the spiritual standpoint yeah. of having the power, then it would be Tom Bombadil. But if you look at it from the... Yeah, because he had power like, of the one ring and everything. Yeah. But if you look at it like the gospel like storyline or yeah. the gospel point of view where it's coming and saving and dying and then yeah. rising again, it'd be it doesn't Gandalf. match. Yeah. yeah. So, the, so yeah, I don't know. There's don't, a, we'll just ask Tolkien later. Yeah, we'll ask him later. But yeah, so that's just kind of a little theorizing. Oh, oh my sorry, gosh. dude. <laughs> Holy I was crap. trying to... That was like, so I loud. just turned on the <laughs> click track. Ooh. My bad. That scared me. <laughs> Uh yeah, <laughs> so that was just a little theorizing yeah. I wanted to do. Uh yeah, so a lot of people also ask, um, and you mentioned this a little too, how the dwarves or orcs or dragons were made if Melkor didn't have the secret fire, mm-hmm. and um, also like with the dwarves, 
like things could be made if one had the skill like Aule and Melkor were considered really great craftsmen and that made like they were able to make those things mm-hmm. but like Melkor made the dragons basically because in if you read the fall of Gondolin there's actually dragons made out of metal oh wow so it's like those could be like considered I guess like an early concept of dragons and then he corrupted maybe like a big old lizard or something like that and then put it into the body of the metal dragon and made dragons that way but anyway so like Aule made the dwarves because he was a great craftsman but they didn't have their own like free will and they didn't have their own conscious and they had to basically they were like puppets that were controlled by the will of their creator so even though they could act independently they were bound to the will of Aule the dwarves were and then it wasn't until Eru um, gave like put within them the secret fire and then they were given independent spirits and then were a race of their own. I guess it's kind of like AI. Yeah. AI is limited to the data set that it takes from. Mm -hmm. So it's like independent, but it doesn't have its own soul. Yeah. It artificial intelligence were just AI. The original AI. AI. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Ancient intelligence. (laughs) Oh, that's good. Grant. Thanks. Where's the, there we go. That's Uh, good. Nice. (laughs) Uh, yeah. And then, Kind of similarly, uh, Melkor did take a creation, the elves, um, which were already given spirits by Eru with the flame imperishable, and then tortured and corrupted them, manipulated them, whatever you want to say, into orcs. So they still had free will to an extent, but were more or less bound to the ideals and will of Melkor. They Mm -hmm. kind of lost most of their free will because they were made evil at that point, and they didn't really have a sense of morality. Yeah. Um, and then the dwarves were also at first mere vessels, and it wasn't until, uh, yeah, I just said that, you know. <laughs> hey, that's okay. Um, but then they were also, that's another part of it, is because they were not meant to be a part of the original creation. Eru put them all to sleep and then asked Aule to, like, hide them, and then it only after the elves awoke, then Aule could wake them again. Yeah. So it was kind of like a, it's kind of like a little slap on the wrist, being like, hey, don't do that. I'm going to put down your creation. Yeah. Put them to sleep. Um, yes. They're so going out to the farm. And also <laughs> some more mentions of the secret fire, like Gandalf during his little speech on the bridge of Casa Doom, mm-hmm. uh, he mentions that he is a servant of the secret fire and uh, he is a wielder of the flame of Anor, referring to the flame of perishable. Anor is also n- another name for the sun. Um, and so I think that's more or less reference to a flame. Not necessarily the sun, yeah. But it could also be a reference to the sun, as in Jesus. I don't know. That's just a little plan word. <laughs> yeah. Um. But anyways, yeah. So he does mention he is a servant of the secret fire, all that sort of thing, when he's facing off against a Balrog, because a Balrog is a Maiar, and he would know what the flame imperishable is, mm-hmm. and he would be an enemy of it. So that's kind of a whole thing to it. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, so that's as much really as we know about the flame imperishable. It's kind of like the creation device, sort of that uh, Eru uses to create things. So yeah, yeah. Well, back to the um, point about the Holy Trinity and trying to find the Jesus figure in this. Yeah. Um, if you remember how in one of Tolkien's letters he wrote how Lord of the Rings isn't an allegory and he doesn't like allegories. Mm-hmm. Maybe he specifically didn't put in a, like a Jesus figure so then people couldn't turn it into right, a, yeah. like full on allegory. Yeah. But he it still has this similar themes. Yeah. Hmm. It's interesting. I don't know, we'll just have to ask him later. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I believe now Music that, of Iowa. Yeah, now it's up to you. Now it's up to you to finish what I started. Yeah. So uh the flame and perishable or the secret flame uh was used in the music of the Iron Noor to create Aya, which is like I said, the universe. Yeah. Um so there's um there are the um there's Eru who created everything and then the Ainur are singing to Eru and um Eru will sing back, don't worry. But um <laughs> it's just at this time it's just the uh Ainur singing and they are um doing it to worship uh Eru. So I'm gonna quick read this is like this is the third paragraph in the uh Ainalindale. Uh so then Iluvatar said to them, Of the theme that I have declared to you, I will now I will now that ye make in harmony together a great music. And since I have kindled you with a flame imperishable, ye shall know forth your powers in adorning this theme, w- each with his own thought and devices, if he will. But I will sit and hearken and be gl- and be glad at the thought you great beauty, or er, glad that through you great beauty has been wakened into song. Then the voices of the iron ore like unto harps and lutes and pipes and trumpets and violas and organs and like unto countless choirs singing with words uh, began to fashion a theme of Iluvatar to great music. So they um, just used what Iluvatar gave them, you know, shake what your mama gave you, but <laughs> sing what Iluvatar gave you, I guess, um, to create the first theme. There's three themes, but... Um, so the first theme is uh, came when Iluvatar told them about the mus- the great music and uh, basically just gave them the knowledge of it and they began to sing together and created music um, or no so before right before the first theme um, they, it was when Eru t- taught them the music and they were each singing on their own they weren't singing together like harmonizing or anything and then when the the first theme began when they started to sing together. Um, and the music they created together was far greater than they did on their own. Um, but then, uh, after a little while of the, into the first theme, Melkor, um, who was, a um, Ainur, um, who, you know, he's very important later on. We have, yes. I think we have a, uh, yeah, we have an episode specifically on Melkor. I think it's like Minions. Minions the Rise of Melkor. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we do. Um, yeah, so Melkor wove into the great song the great music his own style of music which clashed with the regular uh chorus that was going on. Yeah. Um and th- he did this because uh Eru gave the Arnur permission to weave their own ideas into the music, but um Melkor's thoughts clashed with Eru's themes. Um and it's because Melkor wanted to cr- increase the power and glory of the part assigned to himself. So he just became prideful and wanted to um, put himself above everybody and make his music the most powerful yeah. above everybody else's. Um, and uh, he also desired to bring... Um, uh, he also desired to bring creatures I- into creatures with um, his own flame imperishable. But uh, like Grant said... It's not something that th- the character or the Arnu possess, or maybe even Luvatar possesses. It's its own thing. Yeah. Um. So he w- didn't have access to it. I guess you could say he didn't have the ability to create uh beings. 
um beans beans <laughs> yeah what beings <laughs> yeah <laughs> beans he i guess he couldn't create beans yet either no yeah because there was nowhere to plant them fair point um and he wanted to fill the emptiness of the void because this was also before the creation of Aya, which is the universe yeah um so just empty they were just singing in an empty room but there wasn't a room <laughs> it well, couldn't be empty because there was nothing to fill could it be empty if there was nothing that could hold anything could it be empty if nothing ever existed yeah can nothing be empty because there's no bounds to actually fill it with something so yeah it, i don't know man this is what happens when you get into like early creation like stories dude empty like empty isn't even a concept yeah because that that word has no meaning when there's nothing this is before concepts even dang yeah um but his uh desire to fill the emptiness of the void put him at odds with Iluvatar's vision um and uh Melkor's uh discord became stronger and stronger um until uh Eru had to step in he's like I'm over with this so <laughs> I'm yeah. done with this yeah. so this is um a few more pages or paragraphs into the Ainulindale. It says, Then Iluvatar arose, and the Arnu perceived that he smiled, and he lifted his left hand, and a new theme began amid the storm. Like and yet unlike the former theme, it gathered power and had new beauty. Um, so this is the start of the second theme. Um, but Melkor's discord arose again because Melkor, uh, even though Eru was stronger than him, Melkor... He worked really hard. You got to give it to him. He worked hard. Yeah. Um, so it says, but the discord of Melkor rose in uproar and contended with it. And again, there was war of sound more violent than before until many of the Arnur were dismayed and sang no longer. And Melkor had mastery. Um, then again, Eru, er, then again, Iluvatar arose and the Arnur perceived that his countenance was stern and he lifted up his right hand and behold, a third theme grew amid the confusion and it was unlike the others. So Melkor's like, or Iluvatar's like, uh, you know, I'll just take care of this guy. Stand up. I'm smiling. Put my right hand up. Ha, ha, ha. Everything's going good. <laughs> and then Melkor's like, wait, watch out. I got, you don't even know. About I, got a, I got another trick up my I got Yeah. So then Melkor goes hard. And then the other people, are, or the Iron are like, we got to stop. And we don't know what's happening. And then Eru's like, okay, I got to step in for real here puts both his hands up he's probably pumping his fist you know because they never specify what or tolkien never specified what type of music it was so it could be trap music it could be classical yeah could be could be country gregorian chants gregorian chants i don't actually know not super far off i don't know how to do gregorian chants you know but um so the third theme starts with iluvatar stepping in for the final time um and uh it gained power and depth over time until two completely different songs were being made. So there was Eru's song and Melkor's song. One was filled with immeasurable, immeasurable sorrow. Um, like I said, you can probably guess which one that was. Yeah. Melkor. Um, uh, or no, that was Eru's. And then the other one was loud, pompous, and a theme playing in violent opposition to it, which was Melkor's. Um, so nevertheless, the repetitive theme could not overcome the sorrowful one, um, and the latter merely took the form, the former's greatest notes and wove them into a solemn pattern, which is like what we talked about earlier, how Eru is the only one who can actually create um, and uh, 
Melkor wasn't able to create his own song. He was taking Eru's best notes um, and wove them into his own pattern. Um, and the strife between the two themes caused um, the dwelling of Luvatar and even the void beyond it to shake. And at this point, Eru stood one at once and raised both arms and in one chord deeper than the abyss, higher than the ferment, uh, the music ceased. So the music stops. And then Iluvatar spoke to the Arnor about the music and the consequences that would arise from any attempts to bring discord into it, as Melkor had done. To show the, them the results of their action, he led them to the void and spoke, Behold your music. The Ainur saw a vision that was what their song had created, a world that was globed amid the void but was not of it. Uh, they saw the history of the world as it unfolded and witnessed each part... E- witnessed the part each had played in the making even the discords of Melkor contributed to the glory of its creation so the music created this whole world basically Ea um, and then it created Arda which is the physical like planet that uh, Middle Earth is on Um, but it is interesting you can draw more like uh, uh, things from Christianity with the um after this happened uh Eru told them or wait what did I oh um he showed them what would arise from any attempts to bring discord into it similar to like the uh apple tree or yeah. the fruit tree I guess I yeah and um and then uh so then he shows them the world and uh all that unfolded because of what they did um, and in there was the children of Iluvatar um, came into their vision. Um, so this stuff, they're just seeing everything as it's, or seeing everything. This isn't actually happening at the time. Yeah. Um, and uh, so then Iluvatar took away their vision and the Ainur did not see how it would end. So they saw everything, but not the end. Um, and some say that they only saw the history of the universe until the dominion of men um, the abrupt ending of the vision caused restlessness among the Arnor, and Iluvatar perceived that they wanted the vision to be given true being, true being, true being, so that uh, even despite the terrible flaws that had introduced to it, the universe would be as real as um, themselves were. And then, so then he uses uh, Eru uses the flame imperishable, and says, "Aya, let these things be. Aya, let these things Aya. be." Uh, he sent the flame imperishable into the universe, and far off in the void, a light appeared in the beginning of the chief, beginning of the achievement of the music of the Iron Ore. So that is when Arda was created, and then uh, we have episodes about the waking of the children of Luvatar and all that. Yeah, but yeah, so then that happens, dude. <laughs> and then it um, happens. uh, yeah. So I'm gonna pass it off to Grant. You have the creation of Arda, right? Yeah. Did, wait, did I just do that? No, not really. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I guess I gave just the backstory to it. Yeah. You can do the whole thing. I mean, it's not a very huge part, but... Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so, uh, you know, as Jay was just talking, uh, you know, uh, after the music was sung and, like, all the themes were sung and played out, basically, and the vision became, and they saw what Ardo was to be and kind of the early history of it, um, some of the Ainur who were like they kind of basically i guess the best way to put it is they fell in love with arda um some of those ainur 
um, took it upon themselves to actually enter into Arda and enter into Ea, actually, and like left the void. And then they took upon themselves um, the raiments of what the children of Iluvatar were to look like in their visions. And so they were formless at first, and then they gave themselves images that looked like probably like elves, but like greater and more beautiful. So the Ainur first entered into Arda, and they were a little disappointed at first, actually, because it was not as what they saw in their vision. And they're like, huh? What the heck? But the thing is, is they realized, they slowly started to realize that that vision had showed what they would accomplish by using their powers that Eru gifted to them or kind of like the dominion he gave them. Yeah. And so like, you know, like Ulmo, we'll, we'll talk about all the Valar and Meyer later, but you know, like Ulmo was like kind of like the Lord of waters. So like all of the oceans and stuff of Arda that they saw in visions were his doing. But then at the point when we got, when they got there at first to Arda, there were no oceans. It was just blank, mm-hmm. you know, or like there were no trees. So Yavanna was like, well, where are the trees, <laughs> you know, that I had in my vision. And these were all parts of the song that they had sung. And it was, to play out and the music continually keeps playing throughout the history of the world. Um, but yeah, so they, uh, Arctica, Arctica. <laughs> I, I don't even know why I said that. <laughs> Antarctica, my uncle Arctica. Yeah. Arda was the, yes, Arda was the physical realm of the music of the Ainur and it was to be prepared for the coming of the children of Iluvatar. And so the Ainur that are talking about that went into Arda were called the Valar, which are called, also the powers of the world and they descended upon Arda and took forms like the visions of children like I said and Arda was also as they began to form it and start making things oceans and plants and mountains and all that sort of thing it took a symmetrical shape and it was basically just a circle I mean there obviously it wasn't perfect but it was basically a circle in this kind of flat world it was a flat earth at one point oh wow wow and it had kind of an elliptical shape like an eye mm-hmm. when looking down on it. But it was a flat world. And it was the the main center mass was circular. And then in the middle of that circle, there was an island, which was called Elmarin. And I'll get to more about that in a little later, too. Mm-hmm. But Melkor, Melkor also was considered, I guess, not necessarily one of the Valar, but he did go into the world as well. And he contributed to its making, maybe not in the way of creating, but more in the way of destruction. And wow, dude. yeah, yeah. So sorry, you know. I've been off on the no, yeah, board. beautiful. Uh, but yeah, so the Valar, along with the help from the lesser Maiar, which were more Ainur, who also came down to Arda to help out. You know, just do a few chores here and there. Yeah, get uh, things done. Yeah, so they began, all of them began to prepare Arda for its habitation, uh, especially for the children of Iluvatar. And Melkor became increasingly envious, and he also took a physical form because he was jealous of how they looked. <laughs> you know, he's a little jealous of their fashion. Yeah. And then he kind of took an abode in the north of Arda. And, um,. Yeah, and then we kind of get into what happens with Melkor and the Valar once they have their physical forms and they both live in Arda. Yeah. Maybe we should, let's see, maybe we should go to an ad break. I think that's probably let's a good Let's do idea, an man. ad break, everybody. Does that sound good, everybody? Does that yep. sound good, my, my little pilfs? Okay, well, we'll see you back after the ad.
Hey everyone, have you been wondering where you can see the behind the scenes of this podcast or correct us when we inevitably get something wrong on the podcast? Well, I'm here to let you know. You can find us on Instagram at exploringmiddle__earth or on Twitter at expmiddleearth. If you don't want to look those up, links to both of those will be in the show notes. Okay, welcome back, everybody. Yes. Um, no! Or wait. Yeah! Yeah. <laughs> Welcome back. Uh thanks for listening to that ad. Yes. Um so yeah, I'm going to hop back in with the war between Melkor and the Valar. So like Grant said, um Melkor was a jealous little guy. Yeah, he was. And he kept doing things cuz he was just jealous. Um but the Valar were working and the Valar and Meyer were working to prepare uh Arda for the children of Iluvatar. So um so Melkor set himself against the other Valar. Whenever the Valar worked better for the world, Melkor tried to disrupt it. Disrupt it or disrupt it. Yeah. It's up to you, whatever he yeah. wants. Um, and for a long while, Melkor fought alone against uh, the might of all the other Valar and Maiar of Arda. So, you know, it was like a bunch against one. I don't remember the exact number, but a lot against one. Uh, in... Um, he long held the upper hand because he was very, even though he was, um, or all of them were originally, um, uh, Ainur and then they become Valar. Melkor, there's still some of them that are more powerful than others. And Melkor was one of the more powerful ones. Yeah. Um, if uh, not the most powerful. Yeah. Like even over Manwe. Mm hmm. Um, so, uh, However, the other Valar took Manwe to be their lord, like Grant said. He was um, more, even though he was more powerful than them. Yeah. Um, he was not as nearly powerful as Melkor. Um, but uh, he understood the thought of Eru better than any of his other peers. Um, so uh, he wasn't as powerful, but he was the most powerful good guy, I guess. Yeah. Other than Eru. Yeah. He was the most powerful good guy. Um, so, like Grant said, Arda was essentially shapeless um, at this time, and Melkor just tried to... He just set up roadblocks. Yeah. Wouldn't let him, wouldn't let him create. Um, fortunately for them, the mighty Vala Tolkas eventually descended to Arda, and his strength tipped the balance in favor of the Valar. Uh, so, Melkor fled before him and left Arda for a time. So, uh, A little bit of a latecomer. Yeah. Yeah. But you know what? Hey, that's okay. Yeah. Um. Tolkas came and he was like, uh, get out of here, dude. We're stronger together than we are alone. <laughs> We're stronger <laughs> as a family. Yeah. Yeah. So power um, of family. Yeah. So um Maybe <gasps> what? Maybe Tolkas is Vin Diesel. That makes sense, dude. Yeah. I did think of him as like that type of person. That type of like that vibe. That's what I've Yeah, that, I mean Tolkis he is, is like he is a strong man, so <laughs> yeah, strong. It'd be. Yeah, he's just a big guy. You know, he could be. Okay, uh, see this picture of Tolkas. Oh yeah, just like imagine like Vin Diesel's face right there. Yeah, it'd be like. Yeah. Well, I guess you could. I was gonna say, uh, uh, Vin Diesel with Chris Hemsworth hair as like Thor, like yeah, but Thor hair that could also just be Chris Hemsworth as Thor. Yeah, but I like Vin Diesel better than Chris Hemsworth as. Uh, Tolkas, but yeah, so Melkor fled away from family, them. and um, yeah, <laughs> M- 
Melkor fled away because Tolkas came. And I'm going to pass it to Grant for the sp- the spring of Arda. The spring of Arda, yes. So when... The... the Wait, wait, wait. Oh, oh. I got to clear it. The... Yeah! Wait, the... <laughs> swing of the Arda. The swing of Arda. I Sorry, thought you were going to do the little boing. Oh. Because it's... Like, wait, wait. There it is. <laughs> it's, it's the spring of Arda. Yeah. Where's the um? There we go. This is the music of the Ainur. Yeah, that's probably what it was. That's crazy. No. We're not getting captured. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, like Jay was saying, Melkor fled because of Tolkas, and Tolkas was indeed very strong. Yeah, I'm a big guy. So Melkor might have been overall more powerful than all of the uh, Valar. He could not take all of them together. And especially Tolkas, because Tolkas is insanely strong. So then we come to the spring of Arda, because now there is peace in the world, because Melkor Melkor was hiding. Um, And so, like, yeah, like Jay and I both said, at first it had, like, nothing in it, and it was just it. All that was formed was basically the circle with, like, a lake in the middle and then an island. And so this island was called Almarin, and on that island... Uh, the Valar and the Maiar, they made their abode while Melkor was hiding in the north somewhere. They didn't know that, but that's where he was. Um, and Aule, he made two giant lamps to light up the world. And they were placed in the north, one in the north and one in the south. And they then they were filled with uh, the light of Varda, who is the queen of stars. We'll talk about her next episode. Oh, like yeah. Saying. And then they Swing. were hollowed or made holy. Is, that's the word, mm-hmm. by Manwe, who's basically the king of the Valar. Then um, the one in the north was called Iluin, and then the one in the south was called Ormal. Um, and then so Yavanna, I've talked about her a little bit, she started planting seeds throughout Arda, and then from them came flowers and grasses and trees and all the different plants you would ever see. All the good see. stuff. Yeah. Um, and then in the center of the world, the lights of the two lamps mingled, and and it mingled around the island of Almarin where they, the Valar lived. And so it was like very pretty there, very beautiful. Mm-hmm. It was kind of like a constant twilight almost. Constant vibe. Yeah, constant vibe. Constant twilight. Yeah. That sounds like... That sounds like twilight the... Twilight marathon. Yeah. That sound, well, that sounds like the username of like a twilight like super fan. Like yeah. constant twilight. Or just know. like some random Xbox gamer tag that like, it like yeah. gives you when you yeah. sign up. Yeah. I I don't know, I forgot one. I think I had like a s- spoiled milk or something like that. It was yeah. one of the ones I had. It was random. That's fine. Um but yeah, so that was all the the lights of the two lamps, you know, wh- the one in the south was yellow, the one in the north was blue. Um because Illuin Go blue. Yeah. <laughs> Illuin, the the Luin part means blue. Oh, that's all I know. Illuin. Um yeah, so for a while and the reason it was called Spring of Arda is because Yvonne planted all those Swing of Arda. seeds. And then there were the lights, and that caused everything to grow. And obviously, Almo caused it to rain along with Manwe, who was part of the sky. So they kind of they kind of collabed right there. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so things grew for a long time, and um, the Valar rested because now the Spring of Arda was underway, and things were starting to take shape as they saw it in the vision. And they're like, okay, well, I think we can take a chill pill for a second. Yeah. And then Melkor, he bided his time, and he grew a little bit stronger. He's just so, lifting. He saw he saw Tolkis. It's like I gotta get bigger, dude. I, yeah, I gotta start. I, yeah, he I gotta built, start lifting. He built a gym. Yeah. And where would where would he build his gym? In a little fortress that he called 
Utumno. And so that's my next section. No! Yeah. Oh, no. Uh, so Melkor was not idle while the Valar prepared Arda in the spring. In the north, he raised up mountains and, and he made a fortress in a dungeon called Utumno, which is in Quenya. Or in Sindar, it's called Udun. Ooh. Its name meant hell. Oh, no. No! Not good. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Suddenly he emerged from hiding and waiting and threw down the great lamps and he made the world dark and he poisoned the waters and the living things of Arda and he trampled all of the plants. Wow, because dude. of his <laughs> destruction, <laughs> because of his destruction, I'm the world was no longer symmetrical and split into two continents, hmm? Aman in the west and Endor or Middle Earth in the east. Oh yeah, Middle yeah. Earth. Yeah, Middle Earth. There Let's it is. Let's go for Middle Earth. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so Manwe and Tulkas once more gave chase to Melkor and he fled before them and hid once again but this time he hid with in, within the vastness of Atumno his great fortress then the Valar uh, chose to live in Amman um, which is the one in the west um, and they raised the Pelori which were tall mountains with sheer cliffs as a defense against Melkor and Atumno in the east in Middle Earth in Amon, Manwe, that was a lot of Mons. Mm -hmm. In Amon, Manwe lives on the highest peak called Taniquatil, and the region around it was called Valinor, where the Valar lived. Mm. And a city was built called Valmar, which literally means home of the Valar. Um, afterwards, Melkor gathered to him many Maiar that he corrupted, and he made them evil and brought them to Atumno, where they would be his greatest servants. These were the Balrogs, and among them, too, was the Maiar Sauron, also called Myron or Gorthar the Cruel. Yeah. Yeah. So now the Spring of Arda was over, and the great fortress of Atumno was made, and the Valar removed to the west of the world in a place called Amman, the Undying Lands. And that is kind of the basis of the maps that we see today yeah. uh, in Lord of the Rings or in the Silmarillion. But that's not quite all of the beginning. There's just a little bit left in the creation story. Jay, how about yeah. you pick up? So where Grant left off after Melkor, dis Melkor destroyed the uh, the lamps, they're like, we need some more light somehow. We gotta yeah. see, dude. These flashlights are not working. <laughs> I doubt they just <laughs> walked. Everybody walked around with flashlights. Yeah. So the uh, um, after the two uh, lamps were destroyed. Um, the Valar went to Valinor and Yavanna, saying into existence the two trees, the silver Telperion and the golden Lorinin. Yeah. Uh, Telperion was considered male and Lorinin was female. Crazy. And the tree sat on a hill, Azelohar, uh, located outside Valmar. Um, and they grew in the presence of all the Valar and were watered by the tears of Nenya. Uh, Nenya. Uh, each <laughs> I feel like I said that wrong the first time. Nenya, but I it's close to. Uh, isn't one of the uh, rings called Nanya or Nen? No, one of them is called Nenya. Nenya. Or wait, Ninia. N i e n n a. Nanya. Wait, hold N i e n n a. Oh, Niena. Niena, dude. Yeah. I knew it was wrong when I said it because I was like, Nenya is something else. Yeah, she's one of the Valar. Niena. So, it was the trees were watered by Nienna. Um and each tree was a source of its light on its own. Telperion's silver and Lorinin is gold. 
Yeah. Uh, Telperion had dark leaves, silver on one side, and his silvery dew was collected as a source of water and light. Lorna had golden trimmed leaves, and her dew was likewise collected by Varda. Yeah. Uh, one day lasted 12 hours, so half of our days. Yeah. Um, and each tree, in turn, would give off light for seven hours, waxing to full brightness and then slowly waning again. Uh, so that at one hour each, dawn and dusk, a soft gold and silver light would be given off together. Which is kind of like twilight, which is kind of like what yeah, Grant was talking about with the yeah. lamps. But yeah, so then those two trees lit up the world and they became very important and then we're not going to tell you what happens after because you guys probably already know yeah but also we'll talk about it later yeah we'll talk about it later okay? we will we will talk about what happens yeah but just later not in this episode yeah we'll talk about it later yeah. no okay so that in itself is pretty much the entire story of the creation of arda or the universe Aya. Yeah. And kind of what happens in the beginning, the early history right there. And yeah, we'll pick up next episode. Yeah. Hey, uh, uh, we'll hey, uh. we'll pick up next episode with who are the Valar and who are the Maiar. We've talked a little bit about a few of them, um especially in some episodes here and there, but mm-hmm. uh obviously in episodes, I don't know. <laughs> like especially in the, especially in the episodes we've talked about them. Yeah. <laughs> But um yeah so we'll, we'll we'll do like a whole episode dedicated to who they are you know all their names all their uh you know what roles they play in the history and stuff like that yeah but right now do we want to do trivia or current events we do I think we do trivia then current events okay we right. should know <laughs> we've done I know this for almost I, two yeah, years I just didn't know if we want to change it do you mm. want to change it right now <laughs> no it's okay I okay. think I asked like an episode or two ago what order we do it in yeah so. man, something just let's some do days. trivia yeah let's do some oh. trivia wait. <laughs> uh, hey, yeah. This is our trivia song. Hey, uh, hey, uh, hey, uh. No. Okay. Uh, l- let me go first. Okay. Uh, during the creation of Arda, the world was flat. Okay. Yes. Sir. When did Arda become round? And it wasn't. It wasn't during the creation cycle. Basically, uh, I'll tell you that. Okay. Um, I remember you said it was flat, and then the in the center was the island. Yeah. Um, and it was still flat though when the center was yep. there, yep. or the island was there. Mm-hmm. Was it? Did it have to do when Melkor came out and destroyed the two lamps? Or was no. that bef- or is that after it? Or be- was that after the? It's still it's still after oh, it's still yeah. after. Um. Oh shoot! I think it's it's later than you might be thinking. Oh yeah, because I was like think- much later. Is it still round when the two trees are made? Uh, or it's in no, it's flat when the trees are or made. Or is it still flat? Yeah. It's oh, still then flat. that's way after than I'm thinking. Yeah. It it's like way later than you're thinking. Um is it when the two trees are destroyed? Nope. Still way later. Whoa, dude. Way later? Yep. Um Is it when I don't know. It is it is it Melkor destroys something? Uh, does it have to do with Melkor? Some, well, yeah, something, uh, not necessarily, I, I guess he's referenced in it, but it's, it has something to do with destruction, basically a big cataclysmic event. I'll say that. I don't know, dude. I can't think. That's the big hint. Big cataclysmic event. Let me think of big cataclysmic events. Um, does it have to do with the like kinslaying? 
Or is that not big enough? That's uh, pretty big, but it's still even further from further than yeah. that. Was it okay? Was it flat during the War of the Ring? No. Oh, okay. It was. It's round in the Third Age. Round in the third. What happened in the Second Age? Oh, um, um. Uh, You're getting there. I know you. I know you have. It's it. that. Uh, I can't even think of the name of it. The Island of Men. That goes underwater. What is that name of it? Numenor. Numenor. Is that is that when it goes around? Yeah. Numenor. So when Numenor sinks beneath the waves, that's because um, the the Numenorians were basically rebelling, Dang. and so that's when Aru he basically changed his mind and he made the world round so that if they ever tried to sail to the west again, they just keep going around and around and around in circles, yeah. and only the elves could sail the straight way, is what they called it. Yeah, and so they could strail, strail, strail. <laughs> they could go to Australia. They could sail <laughs> straight to the west instead of going around and around and around. So yeah, it's it, it was a little bit of a tricky question because yeah. it had nothing to do with the creation, but it had something to do with world flat or world yeah. round. Hey, that's why I'm just the mediocre Tolkien yeah. expert. Sure, yeah. you're the Tolkien expert. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, who did the Valar see as their lord? That was Manwe. Manwe. Monway or the highway. Yeah. 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 Okay. <laughs> Who lived on the island of Almorin between the two lamps? The Valar. Yep. There you go. Did the Maiar also live? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, that's home. That was home. a lot faster than the Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. that's okay, dude. I liked that first one because it made me think. Oh, yeah. And it made me realize that I didn't know. <laughs> um, uh, what was the name of the hill that the two trees sat on? A Zelohar. Yes, sir, dude. Yeah. That yeah. one always yeah. that one always gets me too because it's like it it's kind of an interesting name. Like you don't yeah. normally see a Z. I was gonna say it doesn't look like a Tolkien. In an name. elvish name. Mm-hmm. There's also uh oh my gosh, what is it called? I'm gonna look it up real quick. But there's there's also like a name. Um oh, I'm so close. The circle almost, it's uh, the circle of doom, I'm pretty sure, in Valinor. Yes, there it is. The name is called Maha- Mahanaxar. Mahanaxar. Yeah, and it's it's a name that doesn't look like it should be in the Lord of the Rings. Like it doesn't fit the the kind of aesthetic of the elvish names. Yeah. But um yeah, that's like another one too. It's like very recognizable just because it doesn't fit almost. Yeah. Um yeah, okay. So, Utumno is also called Udun. Where else do we hear the name Udun? Uh, in the dude. story, it's in the books. In the, like specifically the Lord of the Rings books, or just in the Middle Earth books? Yeah, Lord Udun. of the Rings books. Is it has to do with the dwarves? Udun. In in a very, in a very minuscule way, it has something to do with dwarves. Udun is. But don't focus on that. I don't. Okay. I don't think that should be a focus. The thing I was thinking of is. Like some dwarvish, I know I'm not supposed to focus on. Um, well, what were your thoughts on that though? The thing I was thinking of is like some dwarvish cave, like kingdom thing, or maybe like where uh, the Balrog and Gandalf like fell into, or you're, something. You're getting there. Is it where the Balrog came from? No. Um, is it in? Um, you're like, it, you're. I mean, like you're almost on the the tip of the sword right there. Uh, with. Gandalf and oh is that where Gandalf and um or where Gandalf fights the Balrog no not necessarily 
it mentions the name Udun, but it does not. That's not where they were. Um. Hmm. I don't know. Can you because me you remember Utumno or Udun means hell. Yeah. And Gandalf called himself a servant of the flame of Anor. Okay. Um, and what's Anor? Yeah, which is the sun. Is that the the sun? Is it where? I don't know. I can't think. He, uh, you want me to give you the? I mean, it's kind of it's there is kind of a like a a wide. I guess I could have given you a little more liberty with that one, but um. Wait, is okay. I'll just give my final guess. Is it okay. where the when Gandalf kills the Balrog, where the Balrog falls to? No. Okay. Um, it mentions in the Lord of the Rings, Udun, the Balrog is called like the Flame of Udun. Oh. The Flame of Hell, basically. Okay. So he himself is called a servant of the Secret Fire, and then he calls the Balrog Flame of Udun. Oh, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. I was think I was trying to think of like a specific place. Yeah. But, no, because it is a specific place. Yeah. And also, if you look on the Lord of the Rings map too, in Mordor, the very north, northwestern part, that little like section there between the Black Gate and wherever else, mm-hmm. that region is called Udun. Yeah. Meaning hell. Udun. But, um, it's mostly the most prominent part of the Lord of the Rings is when Gandalf has his little speech there, and yeah. he basically says that he's like the opposite of the flame of Udun, which is kind of cool. He's got ice in his veins. Yeah. Okay, do you have one more, right? Yeah. Okay. So, uh the two trees had were gendered. Uh what was the gender of Telperion and Lorinen? Oh. Which one was boy and which one was girl? Yeah. Or male or female? Uh <laughs> you got it, Grant. Yeah, I'm trying to think. Telperion was I can male. Give, give you a hint if you want it, but if you want to go with Telperion was male and Laurelin was female. Yes, sir. Okay. Because yes, uh, the only <laughs> this is like a reverse <laughs> reverse logic, sure? I guess for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and and we could probably talk about this in the next episode. Okay. But when the sun and moon is created after the destruction of the two trees, because the sun and moon are created using the last fruit and last flower from the trees. Yeah. Um, the sun is piloted by one of the Maiar called, uh, actually I can't even remember the name, but I know it's a female Maiar that pilots the sun. Mm-hmm. And so I think if I know Tolkien, he'd probably kind of go along with the same theme. If theme, if, if the pilot of the sun was female, then Laurelin must have been female. And yeah. then I know the pilot of the moon, his name is Tillian, and he was a um, a Maiar, and he was male. Yeah. So I, I, that's kind of where I was going with it. That's interesting. <laughs> yeah. I only remembered and Lauren is a girl's name, yeah. so that's a female. Oh, yeah, I guess <laughs> it, it kind of sounds like Lauren. Yeah. Like, it's kind of weird to think that I remembered that the pilots of the sun and moon, their genders, but I couldn't remember yeah. the trees. I hey, don't know. That's okay, Grant. You did hey. good. Yeah. Well, we can go into now Middle Earth current events. There we go. Yeah. 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 Welcome to Middle Earth current events. This is current events on this earth pertaining to Middle Earth. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs>
Do you want to go? F- or you have two and I have one. Yeah. Let's do a Middle Earth current event sandwich. Mm, yep. You go first. You be the buns. Okay. I'll be the meat. <laughs> okay. <laughs> a little bit of Grant and Jay sandwich. Yep. It's a gray, gray witch. A gray sandwich. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> a gay so. sandwich. Grant and Jay. It's a gay <laughs> sandwich. Yeah, I got it. <laughs> I don't uh, think you get it. We'll start off with kind of an interesting one. So Magic to the <laughs> Magic the Gathering Tales of Middle Earth card set has been released July, uh, June 23rd. Um, yes. Yeah, yeah. So uh, there <laughs> this is... This goes on so long. There is a one-of-a-kind card, and it's the one ring, and it's like, a, it's like a very... Oh, I heard about this. Yeah. Very specific artwork, mm-hmm. and... Um, if found and sold, it could be worth over two million dollars. Wow! If you so. found it, would you keep it or sell it? I would sell it. Yeah, 100%. I would. Be, I would. Be, I wouldn't be like, oh, but it's one kind. Of, I love oh, Tolkien. So keep cool. it. Yeah, it's cool. I'll take a picture and then sell it, and I'll put the picture up in my house and be like, look at. I have this and two million dollars. <laughs> I'd take a picture of it next to my face and giving yeah. the thumbs up, just kind of as a funny, silly thing, mm-hmm. and being like, "Yeah, I had it at one point, but also now I have two million dollars." You know what? We're gonna put up a poll um, on this episode that you can vote on if you won that, if you would keep it or sell it for two million dollars. Yeah, and if, if or you, burn it, and if one of you guys do find it, can you send it to us? Yeah, send it to us for free, for free, and we'll talk about you on the podcast. Yeah. For free. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> For real. Thank you. Yes. Um, yeah, so it could be worth over $2 million. I would definitely take the money on that one. Yeah. You know, I've got things to pay for. Don't we all? I've got <laughs> bills. i got to pay. So I'm going to sell a card every day. Nice, Grant. Here, yeah. let me get the music going. Yep, so that's my little okay. segment. That is interesting. Thanks. Fingers crossed we get it. You know, I'm not going to get it because I'm not going to buy the cards. So that gives me, anything that gives me a 0% chance of getting maybe, it. Unless maybe, I find it on the street. Oh, that'd be <laughs> that'd be kind of cool. That'd be crazy. Yeah. Uh, you know, just as a little treat, maybe I'll buy one pack, and if it's in there, lucky me. If it's not, I'm going to just keep buying It's kind of like buying a lottery. I'm going to keep buying it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I don't know how much they cost, dude. But you know what? How do, I honestly have no idea. It would be a good investment. You could technically okay. It'd be way too hard to find, but I, it would not be a good investment. Two, okay, well if you can <laughs> you get can it spend in the first up to pack, two, if you spend over two million, it's not a good investment because then you don't make your money back. <laughs> well, yeah, it's a super risky investment. Yeah, but you could theoretically spend like I don't know, ten bucks get two million. If you bought just under two million dollars worth or like even a million dollars worth of Magic the Gathering cards, it doesn't mm-hmm. even matter like booster packs or like card whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh um if you bought like like one million dollars worth of that, there's a very good chance you could find that card. And then if you sold it and got like basically a million back, that's like a I mean, I guess if you had a million dollars to spend yeah. <laughs> in the first place. I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. Yeah, I wonder if statistically you could spend, I mean, you, you could spend however much and you could probably get it, but I if you just went out and just bought a bunch, it also depends on where you are because it's only one. It's not like if you live in New York and they get sent to Oklahoma, you can spend as much money as you want in New York. You're not going to get it. And you're never going to get it unless you unless you take a random trip to Oklahoma just to like visit family and you're like, oh, look, they sell magic here and then 
you buy one and you're like, holy crap. Holy crap, I have money. I wasted all that money in New York. <laughs> Uh, that's what New York <laughs> feels like anyway. I wasted waste of money. all that money in New York. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I don't know. Um, okay, so mine is um, the book, The Letters of J.R. Tolkien, is getting an expanded edition. Yes. Um, I have to get... Well, I mean, I might as just well... Just wait. Just wait. I might get, as well get that one. Yeah, I have the just regular one, yeah. 1981 version, um, which includes 354 letters. So it still has a lot of stuff. Um, but this one... Um, this new one, they don't know exactly when it's coming out, um, um, or when you can pre-order it. It'll be uh, published in November of 2023. Um, but uh, so it will. This includes um, some revised notes with some more, or revised letters with some more notes and typescripts in it, more original stuff, um, uh, and there are. Um, Two or not two hundred, one hundred fifty letters, um, that um either weren't included in there or were shortened for length, that they're including the whole thing in in this new one with an additional uh fifty thousand words. Dang. Um, so it's just the unabridged version, I guess, unedited version. I mean, it's edited, so it's not just they yeah. just put a bunch of letters in there. Yeah. And random stuff, but they they included more stuff, so it will be interesting. Um, I might get it. I don't know. We'll see. We'll I see. mean, I probably will just because I don't have the first one. Yeah, so. so just wait till November, Grant, and you can get it. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, and that's all I got for that one. So we're going to go back to the bottom bun. Okay. <laughs> or is it the top bun? Do we start with the bottom and go oh, to the yeah, top? Oh, yeah, I guess you'd start with the bottom. So the, there was yeah. Imagine Gavin's bottom bun. The letters of J.R. Tolkien is the meat because it's about Tolkien. That's the good, juicy meat. Yeah. And or then, the impossible meat. <laughs> if you're vegan. yeah, and then the and then the top bun is the fluffiest bun, yes. right? It's the biggest. Does it have sesame seeds on it? Sure. Okay. Uh, this is about the Lord of the Rings: The War of the Rohirrim, yeah! the animated yes. film, uh, set to come out in 2024. Um, it will follow as a main character of sorts, Hera, hmm? who is the daughter of Helm Hammerhand. Oh, nice. Who. I just never realized this, but I guess it was announced last year. Helm Hammerhand is going to be voiced by Brian Cox. Okay. Do you know who that is? Look Watch your profanity. <laughs> is Look, it you would recognize him, I'm pretty sure. Brian? Is it COX? Yeah. Duh. Oh, yeah. What is he in that I've seen? He, a lot of things. Troy. Yeah. I saw that. Braveheart. Yeah. Born. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, he's like a... I just didn't realize that, but now that I like know who's voicing Helm Hammerhand, I'm like, oh, that's gonna that's gonna sound really cool. Swing. He's got yeah. a good voice for that. Yeah. Um. But yeah, so Hera is supposedly the daughter that in the actual story in the books that Freyka, um, who's the leader of the Dunlendings, wants his son Wolf to marry, which oh. then which then leads to Helm Hammerhand punching Freyka to Ooh. death. And it wow, leads, yeah, dude. and it leads to the yeah. civil war between the Dunlendings and the Rohirrim. So Hera will serve as the story's like proto Ao one. Remember that one? Yeah, Ao one. Ao one. It's not Ao one. It's Ao one. Pass me the Ao one sauce. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, so she'll serve as the story's proto Ao one, kind of like as the shield maiden type, you know. Mm. And so that's that's all cool because yes, Helm Hammerhand did have a daughter, and it would be cool to see her kind of play a bigger part because she 
kind of almost was the cause of the whole thing. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. Um, The only thing I don't like is the name because that's a Greek name. I was going to say, it kind of sounds it's, it like is, Herod. Well, yeah. It, Hera is the Greek goddess of marriage and fertility. Yeah. And she's the one that's married to Zeus in Greek mm-hmm. mythology. And the Rohirrim are Old English. Whoa. And so while actual like Old English society, like back in the day, they might have used the name Hera or heard of the name Hera. And that was because there were Greeks that weren't living too far away, you know, so they could have had that interaction yeah. in the exchange of mythology and all that sort of stuff. So that's very, it's very feasible in real life. Like that could have happened in real life that an old English person was named Hera, mm-hmm. but not in the Lord of the Rings because there's no civilization or society in Lord of the Rings, like Middle Earth, that is the counterpart of Greeks, Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there could be in the East or in the South that we just don't know of, but Tolkien never mentions it. And mm-hmm. if they are that far away, then they wouldn't even have influence enough for that name to come all the way up to the Rohirrim for them to name someone after Hera. Yeah. You know, or, you know, much less actually have the same Greek gods and goddesses that they did in the real world. Mm-hmm. So that's why I don't like the name because it's just like, it just kind of seems uninspired. It just seems like they kind of do like, like what all modern fantasies do is they just take like a, like a fantasy esque or like a medieval mythology kind of name and they just apply it to a fantasy character just because yeah. it sounds cool. And it has, like, it literally, it doesn't work. I just don't think. Mm-hmm. They could have picked a much better name with it, but, you know. And that's kind of like the Rings of Power, too. The Rings of Power just chose names that they thought people. <laughs> <laughs> the Rings of Power just chose names that people, like, they thought people would think were just fantasy-like, you know. Yeah. And, and I'm going to keep saying this until I die. The worst name I have ever heard for a hobbit is Eleanor Nori Brandyfoot. Yeah! Also yeah. possibly the worst character. Yeah. There are three thring, 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 there are things three wrong. things wrong with that name, right? I've mm-hmm. talked about this plenty of times before. Let's say it again. And I I know we, <laughs> we you said you said, Oh, we're not gonna talk about the rings of power oh, yeah. and all this because we, we didn't did. really have anything. Yeah. But I have to bring it up because of the name thing. Eleanor is an elvish name for a flower and the hobbits didn't have any connection whatsoever or any relation with elves and the elves didn't know about the hobbits until the middle of the third age and the show takes place in the second age. Nori is a dwarven name. Right? Yes. <laughs> and <laughs> I can, I and like, <laughs> while, while maybe the Harfoots did have some connection with dwarves, mm-hmm. That probably wasn't until the third age either because they weren't known to the dwarves until the third age. Yeah. And then also Brandyfoot, they lived near the Anduin in like Ravanion in the second age, or at least in the Rings of Power Mm -hmm. is where it takes place. And the reason, the whole reason that there's like the name Brandy, like the Brandy Bucks or like, you know, the Brandywine River is because of the Brandywine River in the Shire. Yeah. And they had no... No idea where that is. They've never been there before. But then she's just named Brandyfoot because mm-hmm. it sounds like Harfoot or it sounds like um, whatever you want to say. Yeah, I know. Um, you. Not good. Yeah. Or like, yeah. So it's just kind of, it's just like they took like three names from like three different things that had nothing to do with the Hobbits at that time because mm-hmm. it sounded like it was a fantasy name that people would be like, oh, that's such a, oh, that's the Hobbit, Nori. I have a question. I don't know. Would you rather... 
Um, and there's already a dwarf named Nori in The Hobbit. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you're just stealing names. Does that point. mean Nori is named after that Hobbit? That yeah. Harfoot? Well, yeah. Or Brandyfoot? Brandywine? Rings of Powers, Brandy Cannon. Um, uh, would you rather have them try and like they are and come up with bad uh, fantasy names or not try and just use human names like Todd? Would you rather have a badly named wizard that's some weird name or a wizard named Todd? I mean, it depends because Todd sounds more like an old English name. <laughs> Dang, dude. What about instead of Chris? Oh, I guess Christopher would also be. Yeah. Old. I'm trying to think of a not old name. Grant. Is Grant old? That'd, that'd be sick. <laughs> yeah. What if it was <laughs> Grantolf? Grantolf. <laughs> yeah. No, but. Uh, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this on this podcast, but, Sorry, Grant. but like my least favorite thing about modern fantasy is that they try way too hard to sound like old fantasy yeah. and they just pick the most cliche names. They pick the most cliche storylines. They pick the most cliche, whatever, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, it's like, yeah, some of that still like resounds with, like readers and stuff like having a dark Lord and a whole battle that that stuff's all cool because that does resonate with like kind of like an inner battle with darkness and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's like, they just pick the most cliche things and the stories are uninspired and it's, they're basically all just trying to copy Lord of the Rings, whether they know it yeah. or not, you know, cause it all does kind of come from that. Yeah. That is the tough part with fantasy I in just, general. I is, just don't like modern fantasy. Yeah, because like I'm not a fan of it at all. Tolkien did it so well yeah. that it's hard to not yeah. copy him. Like, I know I'm probably going to get a lot of flack for this too, but Game of Thrones, I'm not mm-hmm. a big fan of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, I mean, George R. R. Martin is a big fan, so yeah. I mean, like yeah. I said, it's hard He's to... He's a big fan of the podcast? <laughs> yeah, no. <Right. laughs> the Lord of the Rings. Yeah, That'd be is. crazy. Yeah. Would you like... Uh, Game of Thrones if George R. R. Martin was a big fan of the podcast? Yeah, probably. Okay. Yeah, if he endorsed us a little bit, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, like, well, I mean, actually, I've heard the books are pretty good, mm-hmm. you know, but from what I've seen of the show and, like, House of the Dragon, it's just, like, it's not good. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I well, That's just my opinion. I just don't find it very interesting. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, and that also brings me to my, uh, I am writing a book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But it's not, it's not modern fantasy in that sense. It's more of f- fairy tale. It's more of like English folklore type thing mixed mm-hmm. mixed with fantasy. Yeah, that's kind of the feel I'm going for. Because, like I've said multiple times, I love the journey that the hobbits take, Frodo, Sam, Pippin, and Mary, that they take from the Shire to, you know, the Old Forest, Tom Bombadil, and. Um, you know, the Barrow Downs and Bree and Weathertop, Rivendell, all those places. That just feels like a very folktale, fairy tale adventure. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of story I like to write is it's it's still fan it's got fantasy elements, but it also feels very folklorish and fairy tale ish. So it's yeah. like it's almost like something you would grow like that you grew up reading as like a bedtime story almost. That your grandma yeah. read as a your grandparents read as a bedtime story and their grandparents read as a bedtime story. But it's still got all the stuff like elves and dwarves and dragons and that sort of stuff in it. So it's like a good mix of the two because mm-hmm. those are my favorite things about fantasy is it's it's realism, but also with a lot of added um, elements that are just like no way that 
whatever happened. Yeah. Because it is also a retelling of a story, kind of like Lord of the Rings. Tolkien was basically, in his own words, it was like he was translating the book Mm -hmm. as he read it, and it wasn't his story. And that's kind of what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. I guess so like in some ways I guess I am copying Tolkien because there are a lot of connections but also I'm looking at the same mythologies I'm looking at the same folk tales that he looked at mm-hmm. to get inspired by Lord of the Rings and I'm coming up with what I think I would be like what I'm inspired by rather yeah. than just copying his stuff I'm just looking at the stuff he was inspired by so mm-hmm. that's what I'm doing that's what Grant's doing I just thought I'd plug that so you can pick up your free copy I'm just kidding uh, <laughs> No, I'm nowhere even close to finished. No but I, I, it's just something. It's just something kind of recent that I've been, actually. I mean, I've been working on it for like four years, but it's a very slow thing. So it's been weighing on his mind. Yeah. So I just thought I'd share that just to get the word out. Thanks for sharing. Grant. Thanks for sharing. Thanks for sharing. Show and tell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The no show thing. and tell is a book I'm writing. I don't have it, but it's writing. I don't have it, but I got it. I got it. Man. I don't have <laughs> so, it, but I got it. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So. That. That's it, dude. You want to end it? I think we have to. I guess we have I think to. It's only right. Thank you, everybody. Yeah. Thank you, pilfs, for listening mm-hmm. day after day. And if you're not a pilf, follow to become a pilf. Yeah, we appreciate. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So thank you guys for listening. Yes. See you later. See you later.